This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a world of laughter, a world of grace. It's a world where aliens will eat your face. Do lock is. Do lock is. Do lock. Oh man. Shine your shoes. Wipe your face. <laughs> hey, that rhymes with what I wrote. So. Oh dang it! Well, it rhymes with face yeah, again. No, it, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah. But that was great. That was a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. Uh, my name is Adam O'Connell. And if you could tell from our uh, It's a Small World rewrite, uh, we are... <laughs> the little Shrek mashup in yeah, there. Yeah. We are traveling back to Orlando, Florida for this uh, episode. To... We're not actually traveling. We no, we're not traveling. No, no. We are not going to Orlando, Florida right now. We are sp- we're in the cyberspace. We are spiritually and emotionally traveling to Orlando, Florida, not yes. physically, um, but to explore um, another Disney attraction, one that is actually no longer there. Um, and I'm only now just realizing how <laughs> whack the name of this attraction is. It's it, you can tell that it was meant to be an alien ride like it was meant to be based on alien. Yeah, because um. <laughs> it seems like Michael Eisner heard that like they couldn't get alien and he was like, let's do it anyway. And they said, OK, boss. OK, big cheese. What are what are we going to call it? And he went uh, extraterrestrial. Extra ter- <gasps> and he like wrote it down on a chalkboard and they were like, I mean, Mr. Eisner, this is awful. That's, <laughs> they're like, put it on the sign. That's basically what we're going to be um, going into today. And that's basically the story of this attraction. So we are talking about the extraterrestrial alien encounter uh, formerly at the Magic Kingdom. And we did talk about alien encounter during our top five scariest attractions episode, because of course we did. Um, But now I would like to dedicate an entire episode to this (laughs) monster of an attraction. And it can definitely fill an entire episode. So if you haven't heard of this one, uh, Alien Encounter was a theater in the round style attraction at the Magic Kingdom from 1995 to 2003, uh, which is, I think, one of the shortest runs for a Disney attraction because it's only eight years. Um, But so it took took place in complete darkness and relied on binaural sound, which is like the ear to ear ASMR sound where you can hear things coming from different places um, and yeah. special effects to tell the story of a bloodthirsty alien breaking out of a containment facility and terrorizing the guests. Yeah, I I think I rode this. That see, the, I don't think I ever did. I really don't. So here's uh, for all you other kids who grew up in like the lower middle class, you know, you go to Disney like once in your childhood, usually. And like maybe twice if you're lucky, unless you like live in Florida. Yeah, which is what I did. And yeah, yeah. So the Wright family went in 2002 and then we went again in 2000. 
and eight okay, yeah. when my dad was in Afghanistan. 2002 would have lined up with this attraction. Yeah, but I would have been four. Okay, so maybe maybe you went in 2008 and you rode the replacement and that's what you're remembering. Right, so I rode the stitched one. Yeah. But the problem with that is I would have been 10 and I don't know if I still would have been like really into stitch. I mean, who's like, not know, really into stitch? <laughs> I Well, that's true. I know I went on Stitch's Great Escape in 2008. Like, I know that happened. But I have such a visceral memory of me being young and doing that, which I don't huh. think I was 10. Okay. Well, but anyway, yeah, I we, mean, can, keep, we I, can keep talking. Because I don't have any memories riding this attraction either. I remember right. being in the park and it being there. I remember seeing the sign. But my yeah. dad never let me ride it because it was too... And I didn't want to ride it, but rightfully yeah. because my dad told me it was too scary. Um, but so I want to talk about how this ride came to be <laughs> and what happened to okay. it. So uh, we begin our story where all of the most wild... Uh, Disney attraction stories begin with Mr. Michael Eisner. We begin in a, with a little boy named Mike. <laughs> Actually, a little boy in, named Breck, because I feel like... A little boy named Breck. <laughs> we start in the small town of, I'm trying to look up... Uh, Mount Kisco, I think. Mount is Kisco, where, New York. Which is uh, right by me, not to dox myself, but... <laughs> <laughs> and a little guy who loved disney but also hated disney yeah kind of self-saboteur <laughs> so when eisner became the ceo of disney in 1984 um he dedicated most of his time right at the time the parks were kind of on the downturn because they really hadn't been changed since they opened in 71 or at least disney world hadn't been changed since it opened 71 um yeah. and disneyland hadn't been changed that much since it opened in the 50s so he dedicated uh, most of his time to three things uh, re- revitalizing the theme parks reshaping walt disney pictures which i think is what he's most known for because he was Right. the CEO during the Disney Renaissance and then um, acquiring Miramax, ABC and ESPN. Miramax, bad move. Just yeah. in general, just bad, <laughs> just move. A bad move. I don't think we need to go further than that. Not Actually, part. we might. The person who owns Miramax is uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Screw that guy. Screw Miramax. We don't like them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they also acquired ABC and ESPN, which are some of Disney's, I think, one of their biggest kind of like acquisitions until yeah. like Marvel and 20th Century Fox. But uh, so this is kind of the first steps of Disney becoming a global monopoly. <laughs> but so uh, the biggest emphasis was on the parks at the time because they uh, at that time they generated 70 percent of Disney's total income, which that is wild. Isn't that so? Because now comparatively, it's more like 40 percent now, but it's 70 percent of their income. Like, I mean, if even the restrictions for COVID had happened in 1984, Disney wouldn't have made it out. Yeah. I mean, we uh, this isn't what the episode is about, but like Disney was like on the ropes yes. during this time in yeah. general. Like the fact that the, the parks were generating 70 percent when you look at their movie lineup at that point, it starts to make more sense. Mm-hmm. But that's still it generates 70%, which means that they were not making that much money. Right. Because the parks were not generating that much money right. in general. Yeah. And I think but that's why people that, like Eisner to a degree, because he kind of saved them financially. Right. And there was, uh, you know, public opinion kind of turned on him due to like Roy, Roy, or yeah. his son, Roy's son, or uh, Roy's, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That battle going on. But mm-hmm. the fact that Disney's parks generate 40% now that's still huge. It's still a lot. I mean, the, like, the biggest thing is like the films or the parks, you know? Right. Like all 
of Marvel, all of Star Wars, all of Disney, all of ABC's stuff, and now all of Fox's stuff. And the fact that all of that is only 60% and the rest of the 40% is a bunch of parks, some of which, like Hong Kong, are still not doing that well. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. wild. But so in order to revitalize the parks, Eisner wanted to open some more modern thrill rides, uh, and especially rides targeted towards teens, like his son, Breck, um, and young adults. Yeah, one teen. It wasn't <laughs> it was towards teens. Breck. It was one teen whose name was Breck Eisner. I'll say that again for you. Breck Eisner. Who directs any of movies you, now. He does. But if we can go back to the, the world of the lower middle class family, a.k.a. Devin Wright's family, Breck Eisner is not that different from the myriad of bullies I had in terms of name construction. That's fair. Breck Eisner sounds like a guy who would have called me the F slur and, and, and I punched think me in the because, face in middle school. I think it's because his name was like also Michael. So he went by Breck. To, so he didn't sound like what? his dad. Is it a shortening of something? I, I don't what? know. <laughs> What's Breck Eisner's full name? Don't look it up. Just I'm not going to look it up. OK. What is Breck Eisner's full name? Go now. Yes. Uh, Michael Breakfast Eisner. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that he was Michael Brecht Eisner, okay, but he thought good. that going by Brecht was a bit too <laughs> pretentious, so okay. he just went by Breck. I need to look up Breck I like Eisner. The, no, 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 no. I like the idea of his name being Breakfast. <laughs> his name is Breakfast Eisner. Oh, it's Breckenridge. That makes sense. I, I guess. But also, who gives their, oh, Breckenridge is his mother's maiden name. Okay, I see. Which a weird thing to give your son as a middle name, like especially if she doesn't use, I guess she does, but still very weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely man. Name. Yeah, why didn't he go by Ridge? Ridge Eisner. I, that's worse. I would argue <laughs> he could have gone by Ken. Ken is nice. I like Ken. we're talking way too much about Breck Eisner. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's about Breck Eisner. It's, okay, so. Eisner, uh, his kind of vision for the parks, it yielded a lot of amazing rides like Star Tours, Splash Mountain, Tower of Terror, and then also yielded like Superstar Limo and the original California Adventure concept. So like, right. you know, he, he kind of balanced. He, he both understood that a lot of Disney rides needed a lot of like money and immersion work and all of that kind of stuff, but also simultaneously seemed to think that if he did some of those, he could get away with doing low budget, no effort stuff on the yeah. other side. So he's like, well, if I make star tours, then I can make California adventure, just basically a restaurant tour with a bad limo ride. And nobody <laughs> will notice yeah. that I, that that one's so bad. So, um, another, a big project that, uh, Michael Eisner, did in Walt Disney World was revamping Tomorrowland, which had been the same since it opened in 1971. And Everybody's since, favorite project to do. Yeah, since it's is revamping Tomorrowland. It's, it's the eternal struggle with Tomorrowland since it's a land based on the future. It already felt yeah. dated by the 90s. It's the soda in the water fountains of running for the position of CEO of Disney. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know? 
it's a promise that can't really be kept Mm -hmm. ever, but it gets the people going. (laughs) So their idea was to kind of take this like, oh, sorry, uh, was to take this kind of um, 1950s spaceman white uh, retro futurism -futurism, uh, idea and then turn it into more of a Flash Gordon kind of almost steampunky vision of the future with a lot of lasers like, like discovery and, land in disneyland yeah, paris yeah See, the problem with Less this of the episode Jules is that Verne both of for us, the disney world though right we the problem with this episode is that we both have such weird nerdy knowledge <laughs> of disney specifically like eisner and the design of them because mm-hmm. like i don't really i'm not a big disney fan mm-hmm. in general but theme park design is a nerdy part of me anyway keep going yeah well so they were going to transform it into this intergalactic alien spaceport Um, And they were going to interweave all of the attractions into one cohesive storyline about an intergalactic world's fair showcasing different kinds of future and space technology, which we still see traces of this in Tomorrowland today. And especially like in the past uh, five years, you still see when you I don't actually because now they're giving Tomorrowland a new facelift. They seem to be going back to kind of like the retro futuristic, but we don't know exactly yet. But you used to see kind of like the posters for the different attractions at this like intergalactic world. Right. fair and every attraction was kind of couched as a different presentation of some kind of futuristic technology <laughs> right whether that was executed well we'll never know because it was the carousel of progress which don't get me wrong i love, I love the, carousel the carousel of progress. progress it's one of my favorite rides but it's not futuristic in any way it is fully <laughs> retro and that's like what's charming about it mm-hmm. that's my issue with people wanting to revamp future i was about to call it future world uh tomorrowland for this like like always ha- wanting to change it to be something that will stand the test of time which is like not possible yeah like it's a tomorrowland problem right exactly and so i i understand the like jules ferns discovery land that kind of idea but I also think you can just make it Tomorrowland. Like we all know what Tomorrowland yeah, is like. Yeah, it's its own brand now. So it doesn't actually right. have to be of the future, you know? Yeah. And I'm happy that we are getting like a facelift and hopefully it will be a similar facelift to like Epcot, which I'm also excited about. That will genuinely just kind of like Disney World is a brand now. You can yeah. just do Disney World. That's fair. Um, and you don't I, need to do anything else. Yeah, if, you can if, if you like have good ideas. But if you have bad ideas, don't do it. Just do Disney. If the um, if the 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 redesign of the sign, which I'm gonna miss the old sign because the old sign was amazing. Oh. But if the redesign of the sign is any uh, implication to what the rest of the land is gonna be, it really looks like it's going back to that 50s to the 70s retro futurism look, which. Could, I think will be fun, but we'll see what happens. Um, so anyway, of this new idea for this land, the headline attraction was to be based off of Ridley Scott's 1979 sci-fi horror <sighs> film, Alien, which begs the question, you know, why? <laughs> yeah, it begs several questions, the first and most important of which being why. So it was because that after the success of Star Tours in the 80s, um, Eisner recognized potential for IP or intellectual property based attractions, especially those that attracted teens like Star Wars. Um, which and- is one of the main reasons that people hate Michael Eisner is bringing IPs into first Magic Kingdom, which people didn't like IP rides mm-hmm. in general. And then then trying to bring them into Epcot, which was yeah. sacrosanct, never do it. 
I mean, uh, and Alien, to, to Alien slaps. Alien slaps really hard. Alien it's one of, slaps. It's the best sci-fi horror movie of all time in my book. Um, so and it's it's incredible. Yeah. And, and Ridley Scott is so good. And it makes sense that you're Michael Eisner and you're saying Universal has Spielberg. I have George Lucas. Who else? Ridley Scott. Let's get him. Yeah. That so makes sense. Disney acquires the theme park rights to Alien with the attention of uh, making this ride called Nostromo, which is named after the like... <laughs> floating space barge in the movie. That's the um, ship, yeah. So it was going to be a shooter attraction like uh, Buzz Lightyear, Men in Black, um, which in which guests go on a rescue mission inside the alien-infested ship to rescue the crew. Not dissimilar from Men in Black Alien Attack, you... Adam, <laughs> Eisner, I you sly dog. Away. Ugh, I miss the Men in Black ride. The Men in Black ride there. and the Back to the Future ride. <laughs> oh, yeah, Men in Black still is. I'm thinking yeah. of... Back to the Future. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Men in, oh, what a good Love ride. Men in Black, great ride. Um, so the idea actually never made it past planning as a group of older Imagineers convinced Eisner that the film was too scary for an attraction, which I think is fair. <laughs> fair. And then you go, OK, boys, let's wrap it up. Yeah. No more. But, you know, they still had the theme park ride rights for it. So as we all know, they did end up using Alien in the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios. And it was beloved right. by so many guests that another group oh. of like young hip Imagineers started to work on a pitch for another Alien attraction, uh, replacing Mission to Mars, which uh, had opened in 1975 and was really not a guest favorite anymore because it was so <laughs> dated. And hurts. <laughs> it so hurt a lot. The new uh, concept for that these younger Imagineers came up with is that guests would uh, enter a theater to see a teleportation demonstration only to have a xenomorph, which is the uh, alien race from the film, be accidentally teleported in instead. Um, it was super cost effective because it was just renovating the Mission to Mars theater instead of building a new attraction. And it was based on a popular franchise. So Eisner loved it and gave it the go ahead. But then again, this group of older Imagineers argued that an R-rated movie had no place in the Magic Kingdom, which, again, I think is fair. <laughs> That's fair. But also stop harshing on these young kids vibes. They want to spook the... <laughs> To them, maybe they were like, hey, do we want to scare the hell out of Breck Eisner? Let's <laughs> was, do this it. This is just a vendetta against Breck. Um, so, and this attraction that they had pitched was even scarier than the original Nostromo concept. Because if you think hell about yeah, push it. Yeah. If you do think it, of, dude. If you think about the Nostromo thing, that doesn't sound that scary, especially because you're going on like a rescue mission to like rescue the yeah. crew and stuff. That's not that bad. This was even scarier. So Eisner then dropped uh, the alien, the, 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 um, the older Imagineers convinced him it was too scary, so, but Eisner wouldn't budge until George Lucas, who helped uh, with Star Tours and the Indiana Jones adventure, convinced him mm -hmm. that it was too scary. Um, and he listened to George Lucas, so he dropped the alien concept and tasked Lucas and uh, the Imagineers with designing an original story for the attraction. And thus extraterrestrial alien encounter was born and officially opened at the Magic Kingdom on June 20th, 1995. Yeah, man. Why don't we get 90s George Lucas to tell us a story? Because that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, and here's peak, a fun <laughs> peak. Amazing at the height of his talent, George Lucas to make the story for this alien thing right before he goes and makes the prequels. Let's do it. <laughs> So, uh, and here's a wild fun fact that I couldn't put anywhere else in the outline. Um, so Michael Eisner and Disney produced a full-fledged documentary interviewing actual people who uh, claim to have been abducted by aliens just to promote the attraction. And once again, Disney proves that, though it is a monopoly, 
it is the best at doing stuff like that because that's hilarious and genius like, and that's so good crazy the documentary actually drummed up a lot of controversy for like allegedly pushing pseudoscience and telling people that aliens were real which of course aliens are real but i digress of course aliens are real it's a fermi <laughs> paradox people so let's talk about actually what happened to you on this terror ride so um, the ride takes place in the Tomorrowland Interplanetary Convention Center, which I think the building is still called on the People Mover. It's either called yeah. that or what it was called uh, during Stitch, which was the intergalactic like prisoner teleportation center or something. They still refer to it as one of those, I think. But yeah. don't quote me on that. I um, think it's the convention center still. Yeah, it's getting renovated right now. Best, uh, people Mover. Best ride so. in the- People Mover is the best ride in all of Disney World so and Disneyland is the best ride ever created. It's getting some uh, much-needed uh, renovation right now, so maybe yeah, they changed the drop track. It's like getting a drop <laughs> track, and Rocky Mountain Construction is coming back and retracking it so that it can do inversions. They want to compete with Hagrid's, but I digress. So at this convention center, a company called XS Tech is showcasing new teleportation technology. And uh, the company's CEO, L.C. Clench, uh, played by actor Jeffrey <sighs> Jones, notes that the cor- uh, the corporation's sinister tone with its tagline, if something can't be done with excess, then it shouldn't, have be- shouldn't be done at all. L.C. Clench is such a disgusting name. It's really gross. Um, so in the pre-show, guests are introduced to an excess robot called a Simulated Intelligence Robotics, or SIR, played by hero of this podcast, Tim Curry. Incredible. But also, Simulated Intelligence Robotics is not a name. No, it's just like, yeah, I get No, I get I, I, I'm picking up any, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have Tim Curry in your attraction or film or whatever, you know, stuff's going to get sinister. So he demonstrates a small bit of the, quote, harmless teleportation technology using this cute little alien named Skippy, who, after being teleported, becomes like singed and disoriented. So we can see that the technology has a couple kinks that need to get worked out, uh, as it were. Yeah, this this ride for me, as 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 you go through the story, it like it goes into the positives a little bit and then dives back down. Like Mm -hmm. the concept of like the, the convention center, we're going up excess tech. Okay. We're up. Elsie clench back (laughs) down. The fact that it's played by Jeffrey Jones way way down, down. go down. Oh, Tim Curry. Okay. Okay. Harp. Like the teleportation thing. This is why I think I was on it. Cause I remember this. Okay. It's the teleportation thing was still in the titch was still in the stitch version. Yeah, but it was not, no, it was the, the, the Q1 and then the, the guy who ate all the jelly donuts. Yeah, Skiffy did not get, 625 did not get like charred and destroyed. No, no he did not. It's just, uh, <laughs> but it's still cool. Like that's still a cool idea anyway. Yeah. Um. So um, after the that demo was over and the main show, guests are sat in a circular chamber with over the shoulder harnesses that were used solely for special effects as the attraction did not move like, yeah. I remember people used to freak didn't out on people. stitch when they got in there. They were like, oh, my God, like, yeah. are we going to move? But there's just for special effects. Yeah. It didn't stop people from thinking that you were going to move. Yeah. And then either being freaked out or f- very disappointed. It also 
So the way that these over the shoulder, uh, the, the rest work is that, well, people obviously would come in and try and pull them down. They would go right back up. They lower them and then they're supposed to stop on your shoulders um, and then right. like bounce up a little so you have room. But people would like have them land on their shoulders and then start like sliding down their seats and let it go lower and lower. And every cast member that worked at attraction was like, why? Why, why are you doing, are you doing that? And like um, the whole, like the idea of those restraints being used is like from an immersion standpoint is great because yeah. like you're, you're shackling your guests uh, still so that they can't move and that yeah. like makes it even more scary. But from like a ride mechanic standpoint, why? Yeah. Why I mean, do, it, why? It was all for the effects, but it did prove yeah. problematic for frightened guests who tried to leave mid-attraction, especially because it was in pitch black darkness and um, because you can tell you're not moving so you're like why can't i leave exactly like, people they treat just, it like a show so they're like right. oh i can i show. can step out in the middle of country bears why can't i step out in the middle of the-? you shouldn't step yeah. out in the middle of country bears that show is perfect Do not. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so after uh you are now sealed uh into your seat um and in the middle of the room is this large glass teleportation tube uh clench comes on the monitors and offers to teleport himself into the chamber so he can meet everyone everybody and answer their questions about the technology directly. I think the original plan was they're supposed to teleport like one guest over to like prove that it works, but he's like, no, I'll just teleport myself inside. Um, But so as they're scrambling to make these changes last minute, a miscalculation causes the signal to be diverted to an unknown planet. And instead (gasps) of clench, a large bug-like winged carnivorous alien is teleported into the chamber. It's a good alien. It is a, very like if we're talking creature design and like animatronic extremely good i do like to think that the planet is like a planet that applied to be a part of this international interplanetary (laughs) convention and they like got denied because they're like y'all a bunch of weird uh, bug things you guys can't come but they still had the coordinates like in the the log. And so when they were going they they were going beep 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 and they went oh no (laughs) yeah so um it's teleported in and then it breaks out of the tube, which causes a power outage, uh, leaving guests trapped in pitch black darkness as the alien begins to stalk them. So yeah. after the lights go out, you hear a maintenance worker and see his flashlight, which actually the maintenance worker was a voiceover, but the flashlight was always a live cast member doing the flashlight thing. Oh, nice. Which is cool. Um, so, uh, he attempts to come in and fix the power, but the alien attacks and guests hear his screams as they're sprayed with his blood, which is a water effect, but they're sprayed with his blood. It is. And, and the, the, like the ride has like binaural, like Mm -hmm. audio. So like, you know where the sound is coming from. So you hear the alien like moving around, around you. And then you see this flashlight and then yeah, covered in blood. Yeah. Very immersive. Yeah. So guests feel <laughs> their lightly. Se- guests feel their seats rumble as the alien moves around and that's the harnesses like they press down as if the alien is stepping over the guests on the harness and yeah. stuff. Um and then which was the effect everybody always says was the worst. You feel hot breath on the back of your neck with these air mm -hmm. jets and then a water effect to make it seem like the alien is drooling down the back of your neck um yeah so after this couple minutes of torture excess uh, restores the power and forces the alien back into the tube and attempts to overpower it to teleport it away but overpowering the tube causes the alien to explode (laughs) and the 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 shields aren't brought down in time and guests are again sprayed with the entrails and blood of this alien (laughs) 
Um, and then the guests are then wi- are they the um, the technicians apologize for the inconvenience, uh, wish the guests a nice tomorrow, and then resume their search for wherever they just teleported Clench as the attraction ends and they uh, guests exit into the Merchant of Venus gift shop. Mm, thanks, Disney. I just uh, one don't search for Clench. You can just leave Jeffrey Jones at wherever planet he ended up. Yeah, and also. I like the phrase nice tomorrow because in fiction, it's like, oh, we're in Tomorrowland. (laughs) But on a very basic level, they know they're not going to have a nice today. No, they're all in (laughs) They're like, today's gone. Today's gone. (laughs) Today's a wash. Try again tomorrow. (laughs) I love Tomorrowland so much. I think it's my favorite land in the Magic Kingdom. I could just sit in Tomorrowland for hours just sipping on a Joffrey's coffee. And what's the what other land would come close i mean i like all the lands a lot i do have a soft spot for Frontierland and new fantasy land but god i love Tomorrowland. yeah i like fantasy land i'm a big dumbo fan dumbo's great the big circus the little circus area the storybook circus which is the offset of fantasy land adorable another underrated land but god yeah. Tomorrowland's just great so, it's so good um uh, it's because the ride took uh, took place mostly in darkness it relied a lot on like we talked about binaural sound, Foley effects, and water effects. And the sound score was particularly effective in making it scary as it utilized stuff like faint murmuring and screams from other audience members to increase tension, as it really did sound like it was coming from different parts of the audience. So you couldn't tell if that was an actual guest speaking or uh, something over the system. And people are definitely going to be screaming also. So So you're really just together. Yeah, yeah. Um, the alien was a fully functional and very impressive animatronic. Um, and even though you saw him briefly when the lights were on, it was still a like very a involved, impressive. Yeah. So what happened to this ride um, when it opened? Uh, it got rave reviews. It <laughs> went into uh, the upper echelon of e-ticket attractions. And there's yeah. one at every single Disney park. Yeah. Um, so the ride was met with overwhelmingly negative reviews and reception no. from guests. Um, most no, of the, mo- mostly because people thought it was too scary and too violent. Nah, nah. How did Breck like it? Yeah, I I assume Breck loved it. And like Breck <laughs> and Mike Lasser is like job done. Yeah. Like I know that there were warnings because people always say um, there were like because on Disney attractions, there are warnings on some signs that say like this attraction may be frightening for children on rides like Dinosaur where like genuinely it might freak out your kid. But yeah. like. And I know there were postings about it, but that posting is also outside of Fantasmic because of the dragon and the fire and the loud noises. And this and Fantasmic are in entirely different boats. Yeah. Isn't that sign outside like Peter Pan's flight because it's dark? I don't think it's outside of Peter Pan's flight. I think, but it's definitely, it's actually, it's not outside of the Haunted Mansion, but it is outside of, I think, Tower Terror, Dinosaur, uh, Fantasmic. It's tough to be a bug. Like, that's what I was going to compare it to. It's tough to be a bug, but I do think this is equally scary. It's tough to be a bug. bug. The problem, you know, the only reason that Extraterrestrial went down in the end is because it wasn't a recognizable IP. Tough to be a bug. It's only there because it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it's the same ride. And so a young child freaking out on a ride can ruin your whole day at a theme park because it could make them too afraid to get on anything else. And this attraction was freaking out young children, uh, older children, fully grown adults like people 
were afraid of this ride. Yeah, bad choice, y'all. Yeah, and like the, bad it's, call. Its reputation became so well known, and word spread so much about how scary it was that people didn't ride it. And most of what I remember it being, like you could just walk right on it. Oh, always. Yeah, that was true for Sitch too. Yeah, except Stitch for is when generally Stitch first, a walk on, except for like peak yeah. season. Um, and it did have a small but diehard fan base, but it was small, very small. Yeah, and it also it was wreck. Michael. And, and that's it. It's also rumored that because in 2003, when Jeffrey Jones became a registered sex offender, Disney no longer wanted his face in their parks. But reshooting and re-recording with a new star would have been way too costly and time consuming for a ride that already wasn't performing well. Right. Like performance is much more likely to be the main cause of why this ride closed. But this didn't help, probably. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's a poop cherry on top of a poop. Yeah, Sunday. exactly. Um, so the ride closed on October 12th, 2003 and was replaced with Stitch's Great Escape, which was a much, much more kid and family friendly reskin of the attraction starring Stitch yeah. um, in which he would bounce on people's seats. He would sneeze on you. He'd burp chili dog breath in your face. Disgustingly. That <laughs> yeah, was it was smelled gross. really bad. Um, but also, the problem with that attraction is that it still has the restraints, which yeah, are so which weird in that The context. restraint and the darkness, which freaks out the, the children. The kids, yeah. So this version of the attraction was also pretty widely panned. I, like, I get it. It wasn't the best. It wasn't Flight of Passage, but uh, it was definitely aimed towards kids, and it was a fun fix, and I liked it as a kid. Yeah, I liked it as a kid. I also think, like... It was an AC theater, like it was an air conditioned place to like sit down. Yeah. I don't think bit. it was this the 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 blemish on the face of Tomorrowland that people treated it as. Yeah. Like perhaps it was a mole, but not a blemish. It wasn't malignant. No. <laughs> um, it was a benevolent mole. Yeah. So uh benign, not benevolent. Yeah, benign, benevolent. <laughs> a benevolent loving so, mole. I don't think that was it. Oh, so anyway. Um, Stitch's Great Escape after uh, operating on and off seasonally for like the two to three years prior to its closing, unofficially ran its last show on January 6, 2018 um, and was replaced with a Stitch meet and greet in the lobby. Uh, with no official announcement because on occasion they would bring it back when on like Christmas Day when there were so many people in the park that you just had to like you had to open somewhere to to put more people. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think like the, the, the unfortunate death timeline for Disney attraction is it going to limited hours. So not opening and closing with the park, followed by seasonal operation. And then usually after that, it's over. So we all kind of saw it coming. But for those two years, there was no official announcement about Stitch closing until July 16th, uh, 2020 of this year uh, that yeah. the attraction was officially announced to be permanently closed, which is wild because a year prior uh, not safe for magic photos leaked of them taking apart right. the stitch animatronic. So we yeah, all that's knew. That's what I was about to say. We all knew. We all saw that horrible, I know. heartbreaking image of the and stitch animatronic. And that was a very impressive animatronic. So whether oh, you yeah. liked the ride or not, it's kind of a bummer to see a great animatronic like that get taken apart. Um, but so yeah, it, it officially announced it would be closed this year uh, or closed forever with no known plans for a replacement. Rumors have been going around about a possible Wreck-It Ralph attraction, although with the current. Oh, yeah, baby. I love that Wreck-It big Ralph. IP. I love Wreck-It I Ralph. I love Wreck-It Ralph, too, but it's not. It's not a. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they don't. Nobody really knows exactly what's going to replace it, especially with this current reskin of Tomorrowland happening. Um, so who knows what we're going to get? Um, but there are still some shout outs to Alien Encounter in other attractions, uh, like on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout over in Disneyland in the queue on like the desk of what's the name of the guy who owns like the collector, the collector, the collector. Yeah, yeah, he is an, another name, but the collector. Michio Del Toro. Um, uh, he's got like a desk and there's an invoice on it from XS Tech for some trading or uh. purchasing or whatever. Um, and then also uh, the meet and greet that replaced the Stitch Ride was called Stitch's Alien Encounter. <laughs> Come full circle. It is an wow. alien encounter, in fact. <laughs> Almost by definition. Yeah. And so that is the history of uh, extraterrestrial alien encounter. One of the most controversial attractions that Disney has ever created. Um, and despite its limited popularity, will, I think, always be remembered by Disney fans, especially by always those that enjoyed it. As the best, most immersive, successful technologically marvelous, uh, spooky, scary, thrilling, amazing ride. I mean, it was immersive and it was scary. (laughs) It definitely was. I don't know if I went on this at all, but I hope I didn't. Yeah, maybe you've just blocked out the memory. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a fake memory. I don't know why anyone would let four-year-old Devin (laughs) onto this ride. I don't think I would have fit in the seat. I mean, like a lot maybe. of kids ended up going on it, which is where a lot of the complaints came from. But, you know, because yeah. the other thing, too, is like I I almost don't blame these parents. And I've worked at theme parks before, so I know what theme park families are like. But I almost don't blame these parents for taking these young kids on it because you assume this is the Magic Kingdom and this isn't it's, a roller coaster. This will probably yeah. be fine for my child. <laughs> it's Disney World. Yeah. It almost reminds me of the universal ride the spider-man ride which is also a spooky scary ride but more because of the experience than the ip but it's the kind of thing that freaks kids out and there's no my problem with extraterrestrial is i don't think there's a point to it okay other disney rides i go on it and i'm like "Mm, yes this kind of you know this has a point Mm -hmm. i went on this for a reason seven dwarves mind train i would go on just for the queue i love seven dwarves mind train i really do yeah like that what Disney does is they make it like a full experience and there's a like you always obviously have to make a leap to be immersed but like Alien feels like it just that leaps a bit too dang far yeah I don't go to Disney World to get spooks and scares yeah and if I do I'm just gonna go on the Haunted Mansion or Tower of Terror yeah if I want spooks and scares in my Disney World I'm going to find bring in a shard of a mirror some kind of a weapon a I think it was a knife without the handle or something yeah, but you can't bring a knife. In. No, no, don't do the Disney Tomfa, mirror ritual. <laughs> and I'm going to meet some of the, I always don't remember the names, the Forsaken. What are they oh, called? The, the False. The False. That's what I'm going to do to have fun in Disney. Don't do that. Don't actually. do the Disney mirror ritual. You'll get kicked out. And also it's a bad thing to do. <laughs> and nothing anyway, will happen. <laughs> this has been uh, the Great American Scream. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe and rate on iTunes if that's where you are. You can also follow on Spotify or share an episode. But the best way to spread the word is to tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth is the best. I always almost say medicine, but that's not the one. (laughs) Nope. Adam, can you pimp our social medias? Yes, you can follow us on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, If there is something that you would like to hear about on the show, 
you can post or tweet at us using the hashtag TGAS and uh, your suggestion may become an episode in the future. So tweet at us. Uh, tell us what you thought of Alien Encounter. If you went on it, uh, should Disney bring it back? Should Disney do a different scary attraction? Let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know if you think Alien Encounter should come back so that we can block you. <laughs> just just kidding. We won't block you. No. But I have been Devin Wright. I have been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked, just like Breck, Michael, Breckenridge, Breakfast, Eisner. Yeah. And hey, hey, this is just, hey, Breck, be safe out there. <laughs> hey, Breck, be safe. <laughs> <laughs>